All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we um, seek Him. God, we, uh, we, we've just paused uh, to acknowledge You, Lord, to, to praise You, to uh, thank You, as David has said, just to thank You. Now, Lord, we don't thank You enough, but help us to thank You more. Lord, we lift up the Shermans to You and the, and the Vintons, and Lord... Uh, Julia in particular, she's there in Cambodia, and I know she, she may be feeling uh, uh, homesickness possibly. Lord, I would just pray that you would fill her with your love and guide and direct her steps and, and, uh, for this visa and, and all that she needs. God, just pray for her and for Jeremy and, and Jennifer who are having these marital problems. Lord, uh, I would pray that they would go and see this movie. Uh, that you would uh, uh, just work in them in a powerful way. And, uh, Lord, we, we lift up to you uh, Andrew and Morgan and uh, who are facing separation and their children involved in this, Lord. God, work a miracle. Work a miracle, Lord. You're, you're the God, as we'll see this morning, of, of miracles. And uh, I pray, God, for... Um, Ben and, and David, as, they, as they're traveling, that you would just uh, give them a safe journey and strength to carry out this, uh, this feat, which almost seems impossible when you put it on paper. And Lord, we lift up Andrew and Monica, and I thank you for uh, her uh, feeling better. God, lift that, we lift that couple to you. And uh, they may know your presence and your peace. In your joy, fill them with your love. And also for Gail as she's traveling. and For Macy and, and these uh, kidney stones. Uh, Lord, uh, we know that all things are working together for good, even though we may not understand it. And I would pray for uh, uh, Caroline as well. As she comes down here, uh, Lord, that you would uh, go before her, that you would uh, bless her in her our time here in Mobile, uh, and uh, just uh, uh, open her heart to who you are in a powerful way. And uh, so, God, we we uh, we just lift these requests in, in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior. And uh, Lord, I continue to lift up Dad to you and in, in, in the family, and uh, just comfort him. Lord, I thank you for his peace and his joy and the grace that he understands. And Lord, he just wants to go home. Uh, so Lord, take him soon. Uh, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Uh. Also, I want you to pray, uh, be praying for my brother and I because we're planning on speaking at the funeral. My brother, I think I said this last week, is going to be doing the, the human side, basically, of Dad, and I'm going to be doing the spiritual side and presenting the gospel. That's my whole goal. And Dad, I had talked to Dad about that four or five days ago when he was pretty coherent. and He said, yeah, it's not about me. And I said, well, where did you get that from? <laughs> 
And I said, you're right, Daddy. He said, yeah, I just thank him for his grace. It's grace, 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 grace. I think he said it something like that. And, uh, and he just smiled, and Janine sang to him, as I said last week, and he just uh, uh, praised God and uh, thanked God, and so uh, he's ready. And so anyway, Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. <clears throat> we'll be reading in a second, verses 13 uh, through 17. We're studying the life of Christ, and, and uh, I hope this will be encouraging to us. You know, a lot of times when we go to Scripture, uh, our, our toes are stomped on so badly. Uh, we don't take it as encouragement, but it really should be. Because we need to realize that we need to change. And change is good. And, and it's what we uh, ought to be doing. And so I want to encourage you uh, to, to be encouraged with, with uh, our Lord's life here as we look at it. You know, as we sang about this morning, uh, I'm glad Jesus didn't come looking for good people. Because he had never found me. I hope you realize that that's true about you as well. If he had been coming looking for good people, he wouldn't have found any because there's none good. No, not one. And this morning we're going to look at the, this man, Levi, and uh, learn some things, I hope, about, about him. What hope is there for men, women, and children who have broken the laws of the Holy God? What hope for those whose lives have been stained and scarred by sin? Hope in every way. There's hope in every way for those uh, kinds of people. And uh, it, it can be summed up, I think, in one phrase. Jesus Christ is the friend of sinners. And we find that this morning. He is the friend of sinners. Big sinners, big sinners like me. And uh, I can say that because his grace is greater than all my sin. And uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, have you come to him and had your sins forgiven? Believe me, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like having your, your sins forgiven. Do you have his attitude, Jesus' attitude towards other Wicked people. We sang about that in that last song, if you noticed. Are, are you known yourself as the friend of sinners? Someone who loves people who have broken God's law? Or are you, as that song we sang, always pointing fingers? And we're going to look this, this morning, those who pointed fingers. Uh, but we see this morning, Jesus, the good shepherd, comes after one of his sheep. And his name was Levi. Let's read, if uh, we might, uh, Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Short passage this morning. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house, and many tax collectors and sinners 
were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them, and they were following him. When the scribes and the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This speaks to to all of our hearts this morning. All of our hearts. Speaks to mine in particular. Last week we saw a paralyzed uh, man who was healed physically. He just got up, picked up his, uh, his bed and walked. You know, that was a tremendous miracle, wasn't it? But you know, this morning we see even a greater miracle. Probably one of the greatest miracles that could ever happen. A man healed from the love of money. healed from the love of money. Christ had broken the change that bound him. We see in 1 Timothy 6, uh, 9 and 10, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, notice now, the love of money, is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So there's a warning here about the love of money. Money is not bad. I think I said uh, maybe last week, uh, if you've got a bunch of it and you don't want it, you can give it to me. <laughs> it's not having money that's bad. It's the love of it, where you're living for it. Your whole life is bound up with wanting more. If I just had a little more, you see. That's selfishness. That's about me. Never saw, never saw, never saw a hearse pulling a trailer. Think about it. The pharaohs tried it, and when they dig up those pyramids, what do they find? The gold is still there, along with the body of the pharaohs. We see the setting here is by the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and uh, uh, another verse, first of all, uh, Mark 10, 25 through 27, uh, concerning the love of money and riches. It is easier, and that's why I said this is the greatest miracle with Levi. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, wait a minute. No, that's impossible. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. It's impossible. You cannot put a camel through the eye of a needle. But it's harder for that, easier for that to happen than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. For were, they were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? See, he's talking about salvation. Looking at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So he can change the heart of a man who's bound to anything. He can take it away. That's the mirror. He has taken things out of my life. And uh, I won't go into detail. And they're gone. And I'll go, I've been trying to do that for years. 
and now they're gone. Whoa. How did that happen? Believe in the gospel. Believe in the gospel. Pulling yourself up by your bootstraps ain't going to get it. You won't, you won't be successful. But believe in the gospel uh, is powerful. And, he, and it's interesting here. He, it says he saw Levi. Uh, Matthew probably was his name given to him uh, uh, after he started following Christ. Uh, Matthew means gift of God. And it says here, notice he was a tax collector. Whoa. A tax collector. Do you like tax collectors? <laughs> I don't like tax collectors. Uh, I don't like paying tax. Now, uh, but this man uh, was a tax collector. And the Romans, and he was working for the Romans, gave these tax collectors certain areas that they were responsible for. And they had to collect just a certain amount of money in that area to pay to Rome. But anything they got over and above that, they got to keep themselves. So what do you think that caused the tax uh, collectors to be? Abusive and extortioners. And that's what happened. Uh, The people were taxed to death. There was a tax on grain of one-tenth, one-fifth of all wine and oil. Uh, Income tax was only one percent. I'm like that. Uh, uh, There were taxes on goods. Uh, bought and sold, taxes on imports and exports, taxes to travel roads uh, and cross bridges. Does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> it's just like today. Uh, and uh, what was the attitude of the people, the other, the other Jews who were there? They hated tax collectors. It wasn't a pretty scene. They were despised, tax collectors were. Uh, they, uh, they were actually hated. They took advantage of their nation's calamity. You realize that? They took advantage of what had happened to their nation and they were profiting off of it. So you can see they were hated, and rightly so in, that, in, a, in a human way of, of looking at it. Uh, their name became a proverb for wickedness among the Jews. They were not allowed to go into the synagogues or be a witness in courts. I hope you get the picture. These were bad people here. Very wicked people, sinful people, uh, sinful lives uh, they had. But you know what? This was God's appointed day to save Levi. A wicked, wicked person who was a rip-off artist. Amazing. Think of that. A rip-off artist is about to come to know Christ and follow him. God uh, was merciful. Amazing grace here is shown to to Levi. Uh, Notice it says he, verse 14, he saw Levi. Now, it's not like, okay, I I see David or I see Barbara. It's not that, no. He saw Levi. He saw the wickedness of this man. I mean, he, he looked right into this man and saw him. Not only that, but he saw also the potential that was in this man. And he was used by God. Gosh, we have a gospel by him. I would say that was a change, wouldn't you? <laughs> that is what you call a real change in someone. Uh, he was an apostle. Whoa. 
Now what? He sees us. He sees you. And I'm not talking about just sees us, but he, uh, he knows all about us. And he has changed us as well from the inside out. You know, there's a, there's a true story told of about, uh, this uh, block of marble. This block of marble uh, was taken to a church in Florence, Italy. And it was left there by Donatello who said, you know what, there's so many flaws in this marble. He said, <clears throat> I can't use it. <clears throat> Here it sits. So this other sculpture uh, comes along, uh, this other artist, and he said, you know what, I think I can do something with that. And so he begins to work on that big piece of marble, and three years later, he unveils it. You know what it was? Michelangelo's David. You can look it up on the Internet and see it. From a distance, it looks like a human man standing there. Never seen any. I mean, it's just, it's just so incredible. You go, whoa. <clears throat> but that's what God is doing for us. You realize that? That's what he's doing in us. He is looking beyond a block of stone. And he sees what we will be beyond what we are now. Isn't that amazing? When I think back when I began as a Christian and I got up the first time to preach and stumbled and mumbled and sat down in disgrace, one person here was there. (laughs) And uh, Betty was there. And you know what? God wasn't through with me. And yet I thought, wow, God can't use me. But he he did. And, uh, but... uh, This was in January the 25th, 1504, by the way. He sees beyond what we are. He sees beyond this block of stone. What does he see? What is he creating? Ephesians 2.10 tells us that because in 2.8.9 it says, For by grace we save through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But it doesn't end there. What does it say in in verse 10? For we are his what? That's also masterpiece. He ain't through with us yet. One day we will be like Michelangelo's David. Breathtaking. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so they would walk in them. God is working us in us to do His will. You know what? We do not deserve that. We do not deserve that. Someone asked a sculpture one time, a sculpturer, uh, how do you make a, ma- uh, a masterpiece? How do you make a masterpiece? How do you make a David? By chipping away what's not supposed to be there. Is that what God is doing in your life? I hope so. Is he taking those uh, uh, onion skins and peeling them away? Are you becoming more and more like Christ? Ask yourself that question. That's a, that's a, uh, a soul-searching question. 
Jesus tells him, then he says, follow me. This is a sovereign command here. Uh, In the Greek, it means start and continue following me. He was saying, I believe, break with your past evil life, Levi. Leave it all behind and follow me. What does Levi do? Levi followed him. It tells us that he followed him. And Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, in Luke chapter 9 it says, what does he say? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me daily. That's uh, Luke 9, 23. But you might uh, also look in, in Luke five twenty eight. it says, and he left what? This is what Levi did. He left everything behind and got up and began to follow him. Well, wait a minute. What about all that money that he owed to the Roman government? They'd already collected it, you see. They'd already collected it because you paid beforehand. So he was not shirking his duties here. Who was out? Who was going to suffer from this? Levi himself. Because he left everything to follow Christ. It meant not, what, is, what is this teaching? It meant nothing to him anymore. And beloved, let's get to where material things don't mean anything to us anymore. You know what? You can do that by the grace of God. Believe in the gospel. Believing what is true about you, that he is all you need. You can't take any of that stuff with you. You know, I think the thing that's going to be more piercing than anything else is how we gathered up for ourselves and we're not rich towards God. I think that's going to be one of the most, and, and, and maybe some of you are, and I, I'm not judging here, or, but just think about that. We got all this stuff. You know what? If we have a, a, a calamity in this country, all that stuff ain't going to be worth anything. It ain't going to be worth anything anyway because we know when he comes, there'll be a new heaven and new earth and all that stuff will be burned up. So he didn't cheat the government. He left, the, he left security in this life, but found eternal security in Christ. Whoa. That's a good trade. <laughs> I'll take that any day. He followed Christ. We see it's all by grace. Matthew did not uh, deserve it, as we do not deserve it. He was probably one of the most unlikely candidates for salvation. Probably. John Newton, a slave trader and a very sinful man who cursed uh, and, and sold slaves. And yet we find in the storm, he trusted Christ and followed Jesus and uh, John Newton wrote, what song? Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a what? A wretch like me. Because that's what he had been. We're all wretches that have been saved by grace. We're all Pharisees, but we're recovering Pharisees, you see. We're recovering Pharisees. We're his masterpiece. He's still working on us. By God's grace. And that's, 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 
just so, so powerful to, in my life that he will not give up on me. And I hope you see this morning that your salvation was a miracle of grace. That Jesus came one day, walked along in, in your life and said, follow me. And he calls you by name. In John ten twenty seven, it says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they what? Follow me. In verse uh, 3 of that same chapter, it says uh, that he calls them by name. A shepherd knows his sheep and he calls them by name. Matthew was so excited, uh, we find. Uh, in Luke 5.29, in Levi, this isn't in the account here, but in Luke's account, he says, And Levi gave a big reception for Christ in his house. In other words, he was so changed that his life became now what? All about Christ. But you know what we find also here? It wasn't just about Christ. It was about others. What did he do? And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with him. He invited all of his wicked friends. I would say this was a changed man. And he didn't invite them to take part in their evil anymore. He invited them because he had been changed by the grace of God. Wow. J.C. Ryle said this, It may be safely asserted there is no grace in the man who cares nothing about the salvation of his fellow man. That's a pretty strong statement. How could you be a Christian and not want others to be a Christian? you think everybody would be happy with what had happened here. But we find there are critics as there was last week in what he was doing in verse 16. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he eat with them? Sinners means here uh, not the common use of for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No, the Pharisees, you say, when they called somebody sinners, they were talking about a particular group of people, not themselves. Because, as I've said before, they were what? F-A-I-R. Fair. I-C. See, they, they weren't big sinners. And so, uh, why are you eating with these, these outcasts? Why are you uh, dealing with these people of, of low morals? People who don't follow God's law. People who don't keep our traditions. The Pharisees wouldn't even travel with them or do business with them or give them anything nor receive anything from them. They wouldn't even have them as guests in their house because, you see, they were too far below them. Is there anybody that you know of that's too far below you that you wouldn't invite to your house? This is, this is, I'm telling you, this, this stuff, uh, it, it really pricks our hearts. Notice that uh, 
Jesus answers, uh, they go to his disciples and not to Jesus himself directly because they didn't have guts, I guess. I don't know. But uh, Jesus overhears and he answers them. And he uh, gives them uh, his answer for them. You know what? Sometimes you may not have the answer for somebody. But you know what? You've got God's word. And you can give them God's word to them. And, uh, and Jesus chooses to answer with a simple illustration. I think uh, clearly understood in verse 17. He says, it's not the wealthy but the sick, not the wealthy, but the sick that he came for to help them. I think Jesus was showing his love, uh, uh, touching lives. He was a friend of sinners. He came to be the healer of the most wicked people on earth. And he says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners, he says. Now, he's not saying that there are righteous people. That's not what this verse is teaching. Because there's none righteous. There is not a contradiction here. He says, he came not to call the righteous. That is, who call themselves righteous. The Pharisees who were self-righteous. He said, I didn't come to call them. Why? They don't need me. But I came to those who are sick and in need and and, uh, need help. Because all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. But see what the what the Pharisees did understand is James two ten. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. They had something to learn. Let me just ask you this as we close up here. Do you need a Savior today? I'm not talking about, do you, do you need a shepherd today? I'm not talking about when you first got saved 20 years ago. Uh, do you need God's help today? You see? Yes, we do. We need God's help now because we're still big sinners. We still have that old uh, uh, flesh Matthew 9, 13. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous but sinners. You find that in in Matthew's account. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. What does God desire for you? To have a broken and contrite heart over your sin first. Are you really broken over your sin? Does your sin bother you to where you come and confess it and, and uh, uh, pray for forgiveness of your sins because he has all authority to forgive sin. See, I desire compassion, not sacrifice. He does not want a whole bunch of tradition of going through ritualism coming to church and pretending to be a Christian and, and not getting emotional about it, you know, just kind of so I can go home and eat. And see, that's playing church. Have I done that? Yes, I have. 
I'm guilty of that. But brothers and sisters, what does he want? He wants this right here. He wants your heart. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to follow him. What he wants from you. He wants you to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him. You see, the Pharisees stayed away from sinners. They stayed away from the downcasts, the trodden, the drunks, the prostitutes. Do we? Are we more interested in pointing out the faults of, of people rather than helping them? You know, the Salvation Army, and I've used this illustration before, was started by Abraham Booth who was attending a Methodist church and he brought in all of these prostitutes and, and uh, low lives from outside into the church. And the people there were all disturbed. They said, oh, we're sorry, they, they don't smell good. Uh, we know their reputation. Uh, they, they're welcome to stay, but we want them sitting right, way back there in the back. And, and the ladies of the church came and complained to the pastor family and they, he said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to take them out of here because we're going to lose all of our people if they stay here you know what he did he left and started the salvation army i just want to want us to see this morning that uh, god is a friend of sinners sinners all sinners the levi's of this world the sid phillips's of this world we're all dirty, rotten sinners. But he came for the helpless, the hopeless, those in need of forgiveness, those like the prodigal son who had left and ran and squandered all his uh, inheritance. But you know what? We have a father who loves us so much that when we come back returning, he embraces us. He puts his robe on us. He throws a feast for us. Are we doing that for other people? For our wives or our husbands? Do we forgive them? Someone said, the first link or contact between my soul and Christ is not my goodness, but my badness. Not my merit, but my misery. Not my standing, but my falling. Not my riches, but my need. Are we in that place? Are, we in that? Are you in that place this morning? Am I in that place this morning? Let's examine our hearts as we pray. Let's pray. Lord, um, I just pray this morning that each one of us, including myself, would examine our hearts. 
we would ask ourselves, first of all, are we following Jesus? Are we like Levi who has given up everything to follow him? Lord, these are, these are piercing words uh, to my heart, God, because so often I find myself not hungering and thirsting after righteousness, but hungering and thirsting after the world that can bring no happiness, no satisfaction. God, work in us, change us by your mighty power. Help us to love those who are unlovely as Christ did. For a wicked man like Levi, who everyone hated. But Lord, I am so thankful that when we were your enemies, you died for us. Oh Lord, may the gospel so reach down deep in us that that we would just let it all go. That we would cling to the cross. I thank you, Lord, that my dad is clinging to the cross. Lord, we need you. In these times, Lord, we need you. God, fill us with the love of Jesus and the compassion that he had for those who were unlovely. We ask this in his precious name. Amen. Let's stand and let's close our worship time together. We're going to sing, Thank You, Lord, for Saving My Soul, and then we'll finish right after that with the doxology.